Jimmy Butler is back, and the Miami Heat are suddenly deeper than ever. So which teammates fit best around Jimmy? We open up the mailbag to answer your questions about Butler and Duncan Robinson before Nostra Dumbwest returns to offer his predictions for the week. All that here on Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. It's a Tuesday edition of Locked On Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. However, you may be listening on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. I'm David Ramil, and with me is my co-host, Wes Goldberg. This episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is a new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. Wes, it's been a while since we've had a chance to catch up. Even before the Christmas holiday, I took a day, you took a day. In the meantime, Miami keeps rolling. They keep winning. How was your Christmas holiday? It was great. Got to spend some time with the family. I'm still at my parents' house, as people could see on YouTube. Not at the usual studio. No flamingos today. But um, excited to talk about some Heat basketball because, like you said, they just they keep it going. They've won three straight in a row now. Um, you and I have handled the last two pods solo. We're back here. Yeah. Uh, who feeds the flamingo while you're away? Oh, my God. I don't even know. I should have thought. I didn't even think about that. I hope they're alive wow. when I get back. <laughs> Wow, that is that is not good flamingo ownership there. I got. Can I tell you? A, can I tell you a true story? Yes. Um, I was in charge of um, taking care of a cat one time. I was cat sitting, oh, and I was. I don't uh, know where this is going. <laughs> and by I think it was like for, for four days, and by like oh. day two and a half, the cat was just following me around and just meowing. And I was like, this cat gets like really attached to people like really quick. That's like weird for a cat, you know. Um, it turns out that or, I had just forgotten to feed it for two days, right. and it was literally oh, yeah. just begging for food. Um, I was doing all the other stuff, like cleaning up the litter box and everything. Literally just forgot to feed it for two days. That's okay. Uh, I've got the inverse story of that. My cat, or my wife's cat, I should say, uh, was being watched over by a family friend, and we had left one of those you know, serving bowls where they can just kind of feed themselves after a while. Well, she ate all that because she is well, <laughs> she's rotund. Let's put it that way. And no she kept and she kept yeah, she kept meowing at him. He's like, Well, they didn't leave him any foods, these bastards. Turns out she had just eaten all of her food and was begging for more. So she got about the equivalent of a week's worth of food within three days. So not great. Anyway, let's move on. As That's how said. I feel. That's how I feel after Christmas, by the way. Well, we do have some good questions that have been sent in. So let's start off with this one who comes in from TJ. TJ writes to us via email. He says, hey, guys, love the show. Just read this piece at The Ringer about what is the right team for LeBron James and was wondering what's the best team to build around Jimmy Butler? That's a great question. Have not, Mm -hmm. full disclosure, read the piece over at The Ringer by our good friend Rob Mahoney. However... I always refer back to a piece that you wrote years ago. Uh, at, to me, set, it really was a paradigm shift for me because something that you explored in that piece was how difficult it was for, I believe, Kyle Korver was the focus of that piece, although it kind of extrapolates out to other players as well. The difficulty of playing alongside LeBron James. A LeBron team is a LeBron-centric team. He is right. the sun in the center of that particular universe. That's just the way it works out. And, and so everybody kind of needs to figure out their role there. I remember talking to Channing Frye when he was first traded from the Orlando Magic to Cleveland. And I asked him, I said, what's 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 different about your role there? He says, oh, just 
give the ball to LeBron and get the fuck out of the way. That was basically how I explained <laughs> it. And I think kind of that serves like as a template for everybody else. And I think the basis of Rob's piece for The Ringer, which everybody should go re- check out because Rob's a fantastic writer and again, a friend yes. of the show. But it's not easy to feel the right team about LeBron James. You have to have the right players. So now well, actually, if question, I, to, to, to this Rob's story, I did. I, I, I read it at The Ringer. I, write every, I, I read everything that Rob writes. Um, because, like you said, he's he's awesome. And he gives great perspective on the NBA and thinks about things uh, in in a very interesting and insightful way. And his point is that it's not whether or not it's hard or easy to play with LeBron. It's just that <laughs> twenty years in the NBA, just about with LeBron, you should know if you're a front office how to build around this guy. He's been to eight straight finals. He's been all these things. It's like okay, the blueprint has pretty much been laid out there and rewritten and rewritten and rewritten. And for some reason. The Lakers just keep seeing this blueprint that has been proven by Miami and Cleveland twice. And it's like, nah, we got a better we're idea. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. And so it's and how Russell Westbrook being paired with LeBron James sort of just crumples up the blueprint altogether. It just makes because right. usually playing next to LeBron is relatively easy if you're a decent shooter. Right. He's going to get to the lane. He's going to spray out and, and you're going to have open threes like Kyle Korver had. Uh, and I talked about in my piece. But um, in this instance with Russell Westbrook, it's not a great fit. To relate it to the Miami Heat, what is the best way to build around Jimmy Butler, who is their best player, at least for now, and right. I think for the foreseeable future? And I think, by the way, this is a question every team, if you have a franchise player, as right. the Lakers do with LeBron, as the Heat do with Jimmy Butler, and, and a few other teams, obviously, around the league, you need to ask yourself, what is the best way to build around that player? And it might not necessarily be, go get the best available player, as the Lakers right. did with Russell Westbrook, right? You can make a very good argument that maybe you go get Buddy Heald instead. If you're Lakers, even though I don't think anybody would argue Heald is a better player than Russell Westbrook, everybody understands that he's a better fit next to LeBron. Have the Heat done that with Jimmy Butler? I think they have. I I look at this team, at least from a defensive standpoint, I think the fact that they've upgraded at the point guard and at the four position, or at least tried to reproduce, as we have often said on this show, what they had that was so successful during their bubble run, which was Jay Crowder, a a, a versatile four that can switch, stretch the floor in P.J. Tucker. I think that gives this team a really good defensive presence. Offensively, I think they've also done a really good job. My The only caveat with that, unfortunately, is the other all-star on this team, which is Bam Adebayo. As good a playmaker as he is, as good as he is at attacking the rim, etc., the fact that he's not a shooter kind of closes the lane a little yeah. bit because Jimmy, much like LeBron, is a very good – well, he's very good at getting to the rim, very good at spraying the ball out to perimeter shooters. Unfortunately for Jimmy, he's not as good a perimeter shooter, so he only does most of his attacking in the basket. Only his scoring from attacking the basket, the mid-range jumper, etc. That's where Bam is most effective as well. So you've got two mm-hmm. players kind of filling that same space, and that's where things get a little bit dicey. So yeah. ideally, I think this team would be perfect with Jimmy Butler on the floor if they had a Bam and a Bio that could stretch the floor out as well as say, well, Chris Bosh when he was with right. Miami and LeBron James. Yeah, and this is, by the way, why people keep asking Eric Spolster and Bam Adebayo about his three-point shooting. It is painfully right. obvious. And, you know, again, going back to LeBron here, the way to build around Jimmy Butler is very similar. They're very, very similar players. I also think about the way they built around James Harden in Houston. It's a right. very similar thing. You do want to clear the lane for guys like James Harden, who is so good at getting to the – I mean, you could argue that James Harden and LeBron James and Jimmy Butler are the three guys who are best at getting to the free-throw line in the league. Like, yes. Like – and then maybe somewhat legitimately Giannis. Giannis is, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, those guys who, and they're all very similar in that they want to do most of their work in the paint. Even LeBron, yeah. even James Harden really does want to do most of his work in the paint. Um, but 
with with Jimmy Butler, you do just need to space the floor for him. And the Heat, as we've seen right now, obviously getting a guy like Duncan Robinson and developing him, the development of Max Strews, getting Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin developing on that three-point shot, all these guys playing around him. I think going forward for the Heat, do you consider staggering Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler a little bit more? Because at the start of the year, they were staggering Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler in order to make sure that there was a, a, a ball handler on the floor at all times. But with Tyler Hero doing what he's been doing, you've got th- – and Gabe Vincent even kind of developing on the, on, as a playmaker. He's not to that level yet, but he's developing. You've got three, three and a half kind of playmakers that you could put on the floor at all times. So does that staggering pattern now – get based on Bam and Jimmy Butler. Not to say that they can't play together. They are not Russell Westbrook and LeBron James. They are not oil and water whatsoever. There is, right. There's enough basketball IQ there where they figure it out. But they're both really good at playmaking from the mid post. They're really good at getting to the basket, forcing the defense in so that they can spray out and play make for shooters. I wonder if maybe that's the direction they go in once Spo gets everybody healthy. Well, even thinking about it and using this big three comparison a little bit, I know, of course, it's not a perfect analogy. What was it that made Dwayne so effective during the last three years of their pairing together is his off-ball movement. And I wonder whether or not that's the next evolution for either Jimmy or for Bam. I can just imagine Bam kind of occupying that same baseline space that Udonis used to occupy, that Dwayne used to when LeBron was working. Let, Let Jimmy operate from the top of the floor. Just let him control and then either drive or shoot or do something to that effect. And then in the meantime, you've got Bam kind of lingering around the baseline, off-ball cutting as as Jimmy drives to the rim Mm -hmm. and maybe draws a double team. And all of a sudden, you've got a wide-open Bam under the floor. Bam isn't the biggest player. He's explosive, but obviously because of his size limitations, he's not going to be able to just sky over players. He does a pretty good job, of course. But I think if he can operate in that kind of space, all of a sudden you're going to have that baseline wide open for him. I wonder if that's the next evolution for Bam in order just to play him uh, off uh, a guy like Jimmy. Of course, as we've talked about so many times, you know, Bam, his ability to shoot the three would be even better, I think. Again, a la Chris Bosh. Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to – none of them I don't think you'll see in such a defined role as those big three Heat were just because LeBron is such a dominating presence. But they could toggle between those different roles, right? Like Jimmy Butler is an awesome cutter. Bam Adebayo yep. is a great playmaker from from the top of the key. He can yep. play that LeBron role while Jimmy Butler is playing the Dwayne Wade role and cutting. Kyle right. Lowry could be playing the Dwayne role. Kyle Lowry could Absolutely. be playing the LeBron role, bringing the ball up and getting guys involved. I mean, you could see these three guys toggling. And old, and again, this is not a situation like this. This team, this Heat team, I think the pieces really fit together. And to go back to the original question here, um, I do think that the Heat have done a good job building around their ace, Jimmy Butler. And what's interesting and unique about it is that Jimmy Butler being at his age right now is not going to be the best player, the franchise cornerstone forever. Eventually, you think that's going to probably be Bam Adebayo, even though Tyler Hero might have something to say about it in a couple of years. But if you're building around Jimmy Butler and eventually planning on uh, Jimmy handing the baton to Bam, it's the same kind of construction. You want to build around Jimmy, you want to build around Bam. So I think everything will transition quite nicely. Maybe I should have brought this up sooner, but if you had to pick, if you had to pick a, a center that would fit best around Jimmy, I wonder if it's a guy like, say, Joel Embiid, perhaps. Uh, would you trade Bam at a bio for Joel Embiid? Just and forget about the numbers, forget yeah. about the right package, et cetera. Would you make that trade just so it could be the better team to build around Jimmy Butler? I wouldn't, and I know people are going to call me crazy, but mm-hmm. I would also sure. just say I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want yep. to do it. No. Um, I think, no, I do it. think that there's some equity involved in what it is that you've got going on with Bam and Jimmy. By the way, Jimmy Butler has played with Joel Embiid. Jimmy Butler has played with Carl Anthony Towns. You could argue that the Ooh. centers he's already played with are better fits on paper. I yes. do think there's something to be said about basketball IQ 
uh, and the sort of players that Jimmy wants to be surrounded by in that locker room. He wants to be around guys like Kyle, like Bam, like Tyler Hero, like Duncan Robinson, like all these developmental scrappy guys like Jimmy Butler once was, right? He was a second-round pick. Uh, this is the kind of team Jimmy wants to be around. Nothing against Joel. He obviously got along really well with Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid sure. was not the problem in Philadelphia. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I think that it's more than just stuff on paper, which is probably the problem with the Lakers, right? They were just sort of looking at stuff on paper, weren't really taking into account much else. That's right. You got to have the, the right mentality in that locker room. And Jimmy certainly sets the tone and Bam certainly follows it as well. But you know what? Let's move on before we get into some more questions about Duncan Robinson. And we hear from our good friend, Noster Dunwis. But first, a reminder that this episode is brought to you by Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Truebill has over 2 million users and it's helped save them over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA. It could save you thousands a year. That's Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA. Thanks to all of you for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Now you can continue to support us by making sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. We're moving on with our mailbag, pseudo mailbag edition of Locked On Heat before we hear back from Nostradamus in the next segment. But this next question comes to us from our good pal Pete, who always writes in to us. He says, I think the inconsistency of Duncan Robinson was due to the lack of shooters around him I would love for you guys to track his efficiency with the shooters and without shooters. This might prove the need to start Tyler Hero over P.J. Tucker and to bring Max Struess in as the sixth man. What do you all think? Well, that's a big question. There are lots yeah. of moving of pieces there, Corey to Pete. I'm not sure if it's necessarily going to work out that way, but let's let's break down that question there. What do you think about sure. Pete's question? Well, I went ahead and looked at Duncan Robinson's on-off splits with all of the Miami Heat's shooters that were we typically consider their shooters. So yeah. Tyler Hero, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, PJ Tucker, right? Who right. should be considered one of those shooters because of what he can do from the corner. Um, and just, I'll quickly just breeze through these, but Duncan Robinson with Tyler Hero on the court in, in those 420 minutes is shooting 37% from three-point range. In 541 minutes without Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson is shooting 31.4%. So Duncan Robinson shooting better with Tyler Hero on the court than without Tyler Hero on the court uh, in a relatively similar amount of minutes, right? Okay. Max Struess, let's move on to that pairing. Duncan Robinson mm. is shooting 26.7% from three with Max Struess on the floor in 142 mm. minutes. That's all season long. I, that feels low to me. I think maybe some if, we, if I were to kind of track that over like the last 10, 8 to 10 games, that's probably a better number. But for the season in those 142 minutes, that's what it is. And then Duncan Robinson in the 819 minutes, you know, substantially more without uh, Max Struess on the floor. He's shooting 35%, so much better without Max Struess, which I found surprising. But again, I think that might be different if you look yeah. at the last 8 to 10 games. With Gabe Vincent on the floor, Duncan Robinson is shooting 33% from three in 254 minutes, 34% from three 
in 707 minutes, a lot more minutes without relatively, again, we're talking about a very sm- small portion. So we're going to call that neutral. And then with PJ Tucker on the floor in 689 minutes, 32.2% from three point range. And then in 272 minutes without PJ Tucker on the floor, 37.7% uh, mm. from three point range, which I found surprising just because, because of how many, uh screens pj tucker will set for duncan robinson he is so uh he's got he makes it a priority to get duncan robinson open three-point shots again so much so many of duncan robinson's minutes were aligned with pj tucker particularly early in the season during that shooting slump that there is no reason for that i think that sunk that number a little bit more but i will say this overall Duncan Robinson, of of all those four guys, only shooting better with Tyler Hero on the court. Not with Struess, not with Vincent, not with Tucker. Again, there's a lot of noise in those numbers, but it it was it was just an in, interesting to explore some of those some of those figures. And that hasn't been the case. Like I, I've made a point for the last couple of seasons when you not you were not on the show that I've always found that there might have been a slight conflict that Tyler, because of his playmaking, no, not necessarily his playmaking, because of his shot creation, specifically for himself, he's looking to handle the ball. He cre- he gets to his spot and his space in the mid range. He unloads that shot. He's not always looking for perimeter shooters, and so there always looked like there might have been a little bit conflict there between him and Duncan. You know, not off the court necessarily, not because of personality or anything like that, just the way. They play together might not necessarily have been a great fit, but what you just pointed out was that maybe Tyler is making some improvements as a playmaker there. But to Pete's original question, it, it just—I guess everybody thinks you know—you have more shooters on the floor, you're going to get better open looks, but that's not necessarily the case. You still need right. somebody like Bam to command attention in the low post, or Jimmy to drive the lane, draw a double team, and then maybe get those open looks for you out in the perimeter. That's why all the other players are shooting as well, too. So, is there—is there any kind of did, can you extrapolate anything from those noisy numbers, as you pointed out, other than just, you know, he plays better or he shoots better, right. slightly better with Tyler on the floor? Uh, is it you know, is it not a great lineup to have multiple shooters on the floor? Because we saw in their recent win against, was it Detroit, where they had Max starting and they played well together. In fact, they were mm-hmm. both looking for each other out in the perimeter, like Max would drive the lane, kick it out to Duncan and vice versa. So I don't I don't know what to read into those numbers, if anything. Yeah, it's hard, right? And it. Ultimately, what this question is trying to do is trying to figure out why Duncan Robinson had been slumping so much of the season. We got to start getting away from the slump storyline a little bit because Duncan Robinson over the last ten to twelve games has been really good. I mean, shooting like thirty eight percent from three over the, that in that time. It's just when Duncan Robinson is not shooting well, it is so loud. Like Duncan Robinson's nights where he's not shooting well, it's like zero for six from three point range. But when he is shooting well, he's he's right about his at his career averages. So obviously, you got to fix some of that, but trying to make sense of why that is it doesn't come down to lineups it doesn't come on any of this but i'll tell you this the eye test bears it out you and by the way the trends in the nba bear this out over the last several years the more shooters you have on the floor the better you are and you want a guy like jimmy and bam and kyle who could drive the paint put pressure on the rim and spray out the shooters which is how the heat have been doing what they're doing even without jimmy and bam they're doing it with kyle they're doing it with Tyler hero as well um and getting out to shooters the more shooters you have on the floor the harder it is for defenses to to close out on one guy. A defense can't put all of their attention on, hey, let's let's make sure our center is in place to to stop the drive, stop dribble right. drive penetration, and then all of our perimeter guys could sort of pay attention to Duncan Robinson. When you also have Hero out there, Struess out there, Vincent out there, Tucker out there, that's a lot of guys that defense has to pay attention to. You can't put all the perimeter attention on Duncan Robinson. So I do think getting more of those guys, kind of back to the first thing that we were talking about at the top yep. of the show, David, 
The more shooters you could put around guys like Jimmy and Bam and Kyle, the better off I think everybody will be. And I think the silver lining to all these injuries is finding out that indeed you have with Max Strews, Gabe Vincent, and Caleb Martin, who I didn't even include in this just because right. I don't think he's really respected that way yet by opponent, oh, yeah. opponents. I don't think he's considered a shooter, you know what I mean, the way that Strews right. is. Um, right. you got all these guys that you could put on the floor with your, with your, with your uh, shot creators. Um, I think you've now discovered that you have that if you're the Heat. And to the second part of Pete's question, uh, starting Tyler Hero with P.J. Tucker – that seems like a, a done deal. Like, that's not going to happen. I can't no. imagine a world where Swolster would say, you know what, PJ, who's having his best offensive season in years and perhaps one of the best seasons of his career, is going to get benched, given his versatility, given the fact that he does so much defensively, given that he's been guarding centers effectively over the last few games mm-hmm. with Bam, Hurt, et cetera, there's no chance that Tucker's coming off the bench. Not right now. Maybe in the playoffs I could see the right lineup perhaps, but even then right. I just don't really see it. Not right now. Unless PJ no. and his offense falls off a cliff, it's just not going to happen. Let's move on to one quick question here from Narayana, who writes in, is Duncan having a relapse of his imposter syndrome with all this talent that is developing around him, or is it just a result of the lineup being mishmashed together? Now, I kind of addressed this in yesterday's Monday Madness a little bit because I did have some concerns about the way people were kind of relishing in Duncan's struggles and looking for any reason to just tear him apart and trade him and bench him, etc. And I just don't understand why that is. I, I do think the inconsistency, remember, Tyler, I mean, Duncan is the only guy who's been starting and playing in every game. Obviously, with that long uh, consecutive game streak that he's got going on right now, he's been the only mainstay over the last right. couple of seasons, and particularly this season. So I think the lined-up mishmash, as Narayanan said, is certainly a big factor. But as far as the talent developing around him, no. I don't think that there's any way that Duncan is resentful of that or insecure about that. If anything, everything that we've seen from him and talked to him about and the way he's shown camaraderie in that locker room and understanding of the journey that these guys go through, I think he would be happy for guys like Max Strews, Omer Yurtseven, Gabe Vincent, and Casey Opala, and on and right. on, everybody else taking a step there. Uh, he's carved out his career for himself. He's got that second contract. He's not jealous of anybody, nor does he feel like he's less than they are or anything like that. So uh, to me, I don't think there's any kind of relapse of that imposter syndrome. As I've said before, I do think there are some concerns about whether or not he's living up to the perceived value of that contract, but I don't think it's tied into any kind of imposter syndrome. What do you think? Um, First of all, if I never hear the words imposter syndrome again for the rest of my life, I'll be very happy. I'm so sick of that as a storyline concerning with Duncan Robinson. I understand that it was a thing. I do think the fact that... No, he He said said it, but the fact that it was on ESPN, kind of, I think it blew it out of proportion a little bit. Sure. And I think that Duncan Robinson would even admit to that. Um, He was like... Damn you, Ramona Shelburne. Right? I think he's maybe a little uncomfortable about how much of that there is. And, you know, I don't think he likes being asked about it all that much because I think he does feel like it's blown out of portion. Not that people shouldn't ask him about it because he doesn't like it. I do feel like it's been – it's just like one of those things that sports media likes to grab onto because it's sort of unique Good sounding story. and interesting right. it, and whatever. Um, and I don't know how imposter syndrome works. I don't know if you have relapses of it the way you – like if you are an alcoholic, you have a relapse of that. I, I just – I don't – so I don't really want to get into the psychoanalysis of it. I think you've been on 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 point with it. Uh, I do think that just having the pressure of that contract or having that contract adds some inherent pressure of wanting to live up to it. That's a very human thing. Um, I, but I don't think that there's anything going on with the other players around him as far as how he feels about himself. If anything, it takes more pressure off of him not to be the only guy responsible for spacing the floor. I think it's helpful. 
it takes more pressure off of him to have guys like Struess and Vincent and Yurtsevin Yor- and, and all these other guys picking up some of the slack while these other guys have been out. All right. Well, we've got one more question. This one comes in from Jordan. He says, Nostra Douglas, I need a prediction. Miami has about 50 games left after tonight. How many wins do you and David think Miami yeah. can realistically get for the rest of the season? Well, you know what, Jordan? We'll answer that in the next segment when Nostra Dumbwiz offers the rest of his predictions on this week's schedule. But first, just a reminder that Bet Online is a sponsor of this show. Bet Online, they've got you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the College Bowl season and the pro football playoffs. Right now, we're recording this on a Monday afternoon, just hours before the Miami Dolphins take on the New Orleans Saints and their march to the playoffs. We'll see what happens. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season, soon to be 2022, just days away. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online where the game starts. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on. that nostra dumb west changing it up i love it so um i am at like i said my parents house right now i'm out of town so i did not bring my usual hat with me but i did find this in a closet somewhere so we got a little court jester hat going on here thanks to all who have subscribed already to the youtube channel at locked on eat if you want to get our shows hours earlier than they post in your podcast feed make sure to subscribe to get alerted and turn those alerts on uh, for when those episodes go live over on the YouTube channel. It is time to make our weekly predictions about the Miami Heat. Uh, but first, before we do that, a quick review of how Nostradam West fared last week. Tuesday, December 21st, against the Pacers, the prediction was that the Heat would hold DeMontis Sabonis, who was averaging to that point 21 points and 11 rebounds in the month of December, to under 20 points. Nostradam West was, of course, correct. They held DeMontis Sabonis to, I believe, 11 points or something like that. It was certainly under 21 points. In the front of his game, dad. In front of his dad, of all people, that made it very sweet. Um, <laughs> against Detroit <laughs> on Thursday, Nostra Dumb West predicted that Kyle Lowry would have three or more steals in the game. He had just one, so that's uh, that, that was not a correct uh, prediction. December 26th, Sunday, the day after Christmas against Orlando. This time, Nostra Dumb West predicted the Heat would score more than 120 points. They did not. They scored 93 so not a great week for Nostradamus West all in all, one and two on the week, but it's going to be a better one, David, this week because we got four predictions, four heat games. We got a prediction for each one of them starting tonight against the Wizards. The Heat are going to win this one by double digits. Okay. They're going to finish this homestand 4-0. That's the Nostradamus West prediction. Why? Miami over the last five games, ninth in offensive rating in the NBA, fourth in defensive rating. Uh, fourth in overall net rating. Meanwhile, the Wizards, 21st in offensive rating, 26th in defensive rating, 26th in net rating. To uh, the sum of it, David, Washington stinks. The Miami Heat have been playing really good. I think they're going to win this game. I, I think I, I believe they're going to be a six and a half or a seven and a half point favorite at home to finish this homestand. I think they win by double digits. Wow, I I, I love it. I, I just imagine. I remember 
when the Washington Wizards were above uh, the Heat in the Eastern Conference standings, and somehow Miami has lost half their roster either to injury or COVID or both. And yet Miami still right there neck and neck with the very top teams of the Eastern Conference. The Wizards now just a, a half game above 500 there. You know what? Uh, I love your pr- prediction, and I'm a believer 100%. I think yeah. they're going to win big in Miami just to, to get a nice win before they go on a brutal seven-game road trip. And it starts Wednesday at San Antonio. The Spurs lead the league in points in the paint. Miami allows the fewest points in the paint in the league over the last mm. 10 games, okay? Mm. So the prediction here is that that matchup, what the Spurs could do in the paint, what Miami mm-hmm. can prevent in the paint, is going to determine the winner. That's mm-hmm. my prediction. It's uh, well, I mean, you're kind of hedging your bets there a little bit, but I, I love it. I love, I love the Jakob Pertle matchup versus Omer Yurtseven. Yeah. That's fantastic. I mean, that's what it's building up towards. At this point, Dwayne Dedman probably still going to be out of the lineup there. Pertle quietly effective. Not your typical star by any stretch of the imagination. Just a good, solid player. They've got some yeah. nice depth there. It's a young team. They attack the paint a lot. you got DeJounte Murray having a close-to-all-star-level season. He's a hell of a passer. He's like top, one of the top assist guys in the league right now. Um, they've got a pretty good team. They've been quietly knocking off some teams here and there. I know they're kind of sort of tanking and rebuilding, but they're a, not, a much they've better been team. Well, than well, yeah. So, yeah, and, and I think the – yeah, it is. And I think the way that the NBA health and safety protocols are going right now, um, mm-hmm. that might be the headline matchup the entire night in the NBA is Jaka Pertle Friday in Houston, New Year's Eve, Oof. Jimmy Butler, hometown, oh. Houston. Yeah, Jimmy Butler is going to be in his hometown for New Year's Eve. He's been out of the lineup 13 of the last 14 games before coming back Sunday against Orlando. I think we're going to get pictures over the weekend of a killer Jimmy Butler New Year's Eve party in Houston. He's had a lot of time to plan it since he's been out. I don't. You, there's only so much work you can do with Big Face Coffee. I think he's been. I think he's he's put out the feelers. He's figured out what he could do in Houston. I think they're going to throw a hell of a party. This is a Friday night in Houston for New Year's Eve, going right into the weekend. I think the whole weekend we're going to get great photos from Jimmy Butler's Instagram, from all the people that are going to be there. Maybe some leaked photos of what's going on. I think I think Jimmy Butler is going to throw a banger on New Year's Eve in his hometown of Houston. That's my prediction for there. Hold on, sorry, Nasser Drummond. Who's the most random celebrity who's likely to show up at a Jimmy Butler party for New Year's? Oh, I don't know if it's going to be random. Maybe Tyler Hero invites Jack Harlow out. Obviously, you've got the Houston (laughs) connection with Travis Scott. Maybe he makes an appearance there. Um, Kanye's been making the rounds. He's just Ooh. sort of been jet setting everywhere from like Germany to China to wherever. Maybe he no shows Mark up Wahlberg? in Houston. No, Mark, Mark Wahlberg could show up. We know that Jimmy Butler admires Mark Wahlberg. Maybe Mark Wahlberg's got nothing to do. I, what's LA to? I think Mark Wahlberg lives in LA. He's Hollywood. LA to Houston. That's not that far of a flight. He could probably do that. We'll right. see. Maybe Pat Riley shows up Sunday in Sacramento. Oh. So. <laughs> Nostradamus made this prediction a little bit before it was recently announced uh, or reported by ESPN, I should say, that players who were in protocols could come back within six days of mm-hmm. being in, of being placed into the health and safety protocols as opposed to 10 days as it was for much of the season. That that matters for Kyle Lowry, right? Who for If he were going to spend the full 10 days in health and safety protocols, um, would miss about six games for Miami. But if it goes down to just six days then he could be back by Sunday's game in Sacramento. This could be his first game back from health and safety protocol. So the original prediction here was that De'Aaron Fox would go off 
for 30 points in the Heat. We're going to be relying on the three ball to win this game. Sacramento has not been playing well. Alvin Gentry has been basically just ridiculing his team to the media lately. But this seems like a game where the Heat could have got could get caught looking ahead to the second night of a back-to-back in San Francisco to play the Warriors. There's a lot of frustration potential here. If Kyle Lowry is available, I think he stifles a little bit of what De'Aaron Fox could do. De'Aaron Fox, a notorious Heat killer. If he goes off for 30 points, I don't feel great about this game, if I'm being honest, for the Heat. But with Kyle Lowry coming back, that obviously would improve Miami's chances. So we'll have to wait and see if Kyle Lowry is indeed available. But there are a lot of frustration potential uh, here for Heat fans. Yeah, I agree. But look, Kyle needs that rest. We talked about his increased minutes load over the last few games before he entered health and safety protocols. I think he's going to bounce back well. Hopefully, if he does, in fact, travel with the team. I'm sure he will at this point because they're going to be on the road for such a long time that he's likely to travel with the group. But anyway, let's wrap up the show with Jordan's original question that we asked in the last segment about the number of games left and how many Miami will win. As of this point, they've played 34 games. That means they've got 48 games left in the schedule unless there's a strange hiatus taking place. Place. my prediction not that anybody's asked is that they could go 28 and 20 i think that's pretty realistic i think that hovers right around 49 wins for this team which is more or less where we see this group playing out it's going to be tough as they're getting everybody healthy assuming that other players aren't injured how they incorporate them back into the lineup but they still find a way to win no matter who is in and out of the lineup and i think that'll remain consistent there yeah. out of the 48 games left how many do you see them winning yeah, so they're on track to win 50 games this year. So I like your yep. number at 49. That sounds about right to me. They won, what, 40 games last year. So that's a nice little bump if we're talking about nine or 10 wins ahead. Yep. And that's going to matter, I think. Look, the only two teams last year in the East won, oh, I'm sorry, only two teams in the entire NBA won 50 or more games. And that was the Suns and the Jazz, with the two best records in the league. The 49 wins won the East last year, right? So I think, but you, you know, I, I think that there could be as much as four teams, three or four teams that win 50 plus games, because it's not just Milwaukee and Brooklyn who are on pace to win much more than 50 games, but you got Chicago and Cleveland. Do yeah. they fall off? Oh. Right. I, I would think at some point they do, but Cleveland's played a really tough schedule. They're hanging in there. They've been hit with health and safety protocol stuff lately. Chicago we will see, they don't have a lot of depth, but they seem like a team that could be right for a trade deadline move. So that could give them a little boost in the second half of the year. Um, but I do think that there's going to be motivation for the Heat to finish the year and try to get one of these top four seeds in the East, which is why I bring this up. And I think they could be kind of, you know, they're not going to be letting up, I don't think, in the last few weeks of the year, which is why I think they win probably around 50 games. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could see 30 and 18 over the next 48 games. I think that's another, right. you know, that's a, I, this is a really good team. They're going to have some struggles here and there just because of right. the nature of COVID and the way the season is shaped out. But overall, it's been a pretty good year. The hardest part it's of the schedule is behind team. them. Let's hope so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all those well, seven from a game road schedule trip. standpoint. Yeah. This seven yeah. game road trip. Once you get past this, it gets, a, it gets a little bit easier and you start get, these home games start to kind of uh, bunch up a little bit more. Yeah. Well, let's wrap up today's show. And again, we'll be back tomorrow for a recap of that game against the Washington Wizards, a double digit victory as predicted by Nasser Dumbo. So make sure to tune in and see if whether or not he predicted that correctly. Just a reminder that you can always reach us via email at lockdownheat at gmail.com or via Twitter, use the hashtag AskLHeat. Please be sure to subscribe to the show again and leave a review. Thanks so much for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you also check out Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. This is David Ramil signing off for now. Thank you so much for joining me, Wes. Wrap it up, B.